Hey everyone, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Okay, it's good to be here today. This is a special I guess you'd call it a hurricane edition of Faith Tested by Fire. Um, I I started following the storm, of course, several days ago. And um, living here in Florida, you're aware of of the threat of hurricanes. It's, I wouldn't say it's always in the back of your mind, but you know, um, after living here for several years, that it, there's always a possibility of uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, and, and things like that. Where I came from, uh, in the Northeast, there we had to deal with uh, storms called nor'easters, where there was severe flooding at times. And so, when these things happen, it's like your um, your world takes on a different meaning. And what's interesting is, is that before the internet, it was like, this is, this is your world. This is the world. That was all you thought about. And then as our, um, we got a, I guess what you call the 60,000 foot view of the world in general, the earth, the, you get a feeling now that, okay, there's tragedies happening all the time in different locations. And when it doesn't affect your location directly you kind of uh although you know it's real it doesn't concern you in the way of course that it would as if it's happening in your own uh, backyard and you pray for people um but when, when it's in your own area the the effect that it has on you um sometimes you wonder and and i do it as a believer when you uh, pray for other people that are suffering in other parts of the world or in other parts of your country, is your heart really in it the same way um, that it is when it's happening right directly uh, to you or in your neighborhood or your your local vicinity? And the Bible says that the, the fervent, effectual, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's my paraphrase of it using some words that you would see if you looked it up in the uh, in a concordance heartfelt the heartfelt prayer the urgent prayer um, avails much in other words there's much power available and we see um, evidence of that in Jesus's life when there was a storm and the disciples were on the water and he rebuked the storm and then rebuked them (laughs) <laughs> and said, how is it that you are so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then you think about um, the storm that just hit Houston. There was plenty of Christian people there. And when that happens, it discourages Christians a lot of times because you think, well, you know, bad things happen to good people, and you don't pray with the same expectancy when you're looking at uh, negative things when you start mulling these things over in your mind. Now, Jesus made this statement to his disciples before he went to the cross. He said, it's your, to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, then I'm going to be able to send the Spirit uh, to you. 
and you see that happen at the at the day of Pentecost and and the Holy Spirit is the one that manifests God's miracles and manifests uh, healing and all of those things. So I'm saying all that to say this. When you start looking at truths and you isolate them, things don't really make as much sense as they do when you start putting certain truths together and certain scriptures together and you get a fuller picture of what's happening. So, for example, Jesus said that without me you can do nothing. And in the um, book of Acts, when Peter took the lame man by the hand, lifted him up, and spoke healing in the name of Jesus, everybody marveled. And Peter's response was, why do you look at us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man walk? Well, we could also say, because some people look at faith as power, as a power. I really don't look at, at faith as, as a power, like electricity. For example, the Bible says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and not not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. So if it's the grace that does the, the saving, but it's the, the door of faith that it comes through. So faith isn't a power any more than a key and the ignition is a power. It just unlocks it, right? So when we start looking and combining the scriptures together, the, the thought that we begin to see is, number one, it's the grace that saves, but it comes through faith. Number two, it, it's not by your own power or holiness. So that takes the, the, the pressure off of the individual to produce something. Right? So number one, it's the grace that saves, that not of yourselves. Number two, Peter said, why do you look at us as though by our own power or holiness? So when a um, situation happens, often people look at their own power and holiness and it's lacking. And so as a result of that, fear and uncertainty comes. And number three, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So if you put all those truths together, what do they create that you don't see if you look at them separately and individually? What you see is that our prayers and our faith work together effectively to the level that we as individuals are working together with Jesus. Let me, let me say that again. Let me put this out there again. Our faith and our prayers <clears throat> work together effectively to the level that we as individuals are working together with Jesus. So it's not a matter of when you know certain facts, you rise to a certain level and you have greater power. Because Peter already dashed that belief. It's not by our own power or holiness. Now, a lot of people would assume that, well, it must be because they were with Jesus. But no, he, he struck that down. It's not by our personal power or personal holiness. It's simply by faith in the name of Jesus. And then he wanted him to say, whom you crucified. Faith in the name of Jesus. So their faith was in a person. And our faith has to be in a person. Because the promise is only as real as the person who makes it. You know, if somebody who has trouble paying their bills every month tells you that, hey, if you ever need any, any money, come and ask me. I mean, how is your faith going to be? Is it going to be strong in that person or what they promised? Probably not. 
Or if the person is rich, but you only talk to them once every three years, what do you, how do you think your confidence will be in that person when the rubber hits the road and you decide to turn to them for help? Now, one of the things about God is, is that his love never changes. His concern for us never changes. Our concern for him does. What I mean by that is, you know, we get captivated by the things that are happening in our life. Um, there, there were times and seasons in, in my own life where I can remember getting lost in TV and movies and, and even video games at one point just because I didn't feel like dealing with all of the visible uh, problems that were happening around me. It was a form of escapism. I could just put my mind on autopilot. And I, I found that, you know, you, I was in a place where I could only pray so much. And if I keep repeating the same things again, and I keep wondering why I'm repeating the same prayer, as if God were deaf, of course he's not. And I realized that I was just praying in vain repetitions. Jesus said that don't be like the heathen when they pray because they think for their much speaking they will be heard. Let me say that again. The heathen, when they pray, Remember, every belief system in the world just about has some, some form of prayer, even if it's to quote-unquote source power, <laughs> as some people call it. Some people look at God as being like source. I look at him as father. See, that, that's the difference. Because electricity is impersonal, but a father is not impersonal, is he? Not a loving father. So God's love towards us never changes, but sometimes we feel guilty because we haven't been communicating with him and our heart hasn't been open to the Holy Spirit and God's word, God's truth. So all these things are going through my mind. I'm watching the hurricane coming and I, I suddenly realize that, you know what, and I'm almost ashamed to say it, but I'm being honest with you. You know, in the past, I would have just prayed that it missed us, and I would have given not too much afterthought to who it hit as a result of it having missed us. You hear what I'm saying? Because everybody's concerned about their own. The, the Bible says that even, even the uh, unrighteous take care of their, of their friends. Even those that are don't know God. I mean, they take care of their own. But but the Bible talks about God's love being extended through us to strangers. I know it's hard, especially in this time, to walk in that every day. You know? Because we're, our society trains us to be wary of strangers. So, as this hurricane's coming through, I, I decide the only way I could pray is for this, this thing to be destroyed and come to nothing and to be still, not redirect it into somebody else's backyard and then just go on living my life. Because if you didn't have loved ones in Houston, for example, it's not or you weren't in Houston yourself, it's not like you probably lost a whole lot of sleep about it. Yeah, absolutely, you felt bad about it. And, you know, it, it's terrible. Now, I'm not saying that, that you should feel 
the pain of every single thing that happens bad that happens in the world because if that were so you wouldn't be able to function because we're not built that way what we're built to do is to cast our cares and worries on the lord instead of carrying them ourselves jesus said that his burden that his yoke was easy and his burden was light so you know what the yoke was like it was that big wooden thing they put over the animal that was pulling the plow through the field that big wooden yoke I've never actually seen that in person, of course. I'm just <laughs> talking from movies and TV and articles and pictures, things like that. But Jesus said his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, which means all he's asking us to do is to roll our cares, <clears throat> our worries and concerns off onto him because he's able to, he's God. He's built not only to face the problem, but he has everything it takes to overcome it. But to care about what happens to the other person, because even the person, when, when that argument was made and Jesus was there talking about the stranger and the Pharisee sees the man on the side of the street, hurt and bruised, maybe he was mugged by someone, he crosses the street and goes to the other side to avoid being involved in that situation. Have we done that before? Absolutely. I can speak for myself and say, yeah, I've done that before, not literally seeing somebody, but seeing a situation and thinking, well, should you be involved or not? And then thinking, no, there's other people better qualified to do that. And that's what, that's what my mind told me, and I went with what my mind said. Now, there was other times where I took the initiative and I decided to help in some small way, and I felt good inside. It was almost like the Holy Spirit bearing witness with my spirit that I did the right thing. And that was that's something I'd love to be able to do more of. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But then the one man goes and he picks up that person. And he brings him to the inn and he, he tells the innkeeper to take care of the man and dress his wounds and that he would pay for it. So now obviously if that man in the, in the story was a doctor, he could have done it himself, but he wasn't. You know, sometimes we think, well... You know, I'm not really qualified to help. I, you know, I, I totally understand that, and I believe God does too. There are other people that are better equipped to help. And so you do what you can to connect that person who's hurting with that person who can help, and you're involved in the situation. So there's always a part we can play. There's always some kind of action that we can take, even if it seems small and insignificant. It's better than doing nothing at all. And again, I'm saying this to myself as much as I'm, I'm saying it to you. And so I started praying. And now the, the storm is actually changing its, its direction. And at first it looked like it was going to head away from where, where I am in the state. Now it looks today, right now, as of this recording, which is at 11.15 a.m. on the 9th, Saturday. It actually looks like it's going to head right towards where I live. <laughs> so I'm throwing these mental traditions out of my mind by using the word of God because in Mark chapter 7 verse 13 it says that Jesus told the Pharisees that they made the word of God of none effect through their traditions. So everybody prays, but not everybody prays effectively. 
Some people are praying fervently, but they're not praying according to knowledge. Knowledge meaning who Jesus is and what place he has in our lives. So, you know, when I look at scriptures like Psalm 78, verses 40 through 42, let me, let me read this again. It says, how oft they did provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. Verse 41, yes, they turned back and tempted God and limited and limited the Holy One of Israel. In other words, these people turned back. They turned back from trusting God, believing in the love of God, believing in the guidance and power of God. Because it says right there in verse, the next verse, 42, they remembered not his hand, nor the day he delivered them from the enemy. So because they forgot those things, they limited what God was able to do for them in the moment because they forgot what he had done in the past. You know, we forget about the past because we think the present is really, this is different this time. And so I'm looking at this storm coming. And as in the nighttime, I like to listen to the Bible on my um, tablet. I've, I've mentioned it before in other podcasts. There's a app that you can get and it'll actually read the Bible. It's free. You can get it in different translations. It's a Bible app. It has a um, brown-colored Bible graphic, and you can download different translations. And I, you do need an internet connection, but it will still work, even if you, um, even if your internet is turned off. It will still work. It'll still read several translations. Let's put it that way. So I'm listening to it, and Colossians 4.4 hits me. In Colossians 4.4, I'll read it to you quickly. Uh, Or I'm sorry, 4.2. It says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer and watch in the same. In other words, watch in prayer. Watch and pray. That that principle is mentioned several times in the new present in the New Testament. Watch and pray, but it always tells you to pray with thanksgiving. So why would that be? Well, according to Jesus, if you believe, you receive all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. But now we know that we are affected by the world around us. We can't. If if it was possible, if it was possible, we could just pray. Um, and manipulate 100% the world around us by believing. But just because you understand the principles doesn't mean you, you're in faith to do that. Because, again, without Jesus, you can't do anything. So Jesus gave them certain warnings in the book of Revelation to the people that when they see these things happening, flee to the mountains. He could have just told them to rebuke what they saw, but he told them to flee to the mountains. So as I was praying, I was asking God, should I, should we leave? And I didn't hear a verbal voice or anything like that. I just had peace in my heart. Now there's sometimes, certain times I tried to manufacture peace in my heart, but I wasn't able to. In other words, I took all the facts of the Bible. I was praying. I was alert. But now here's the thing. We walk by faith and not by sight. That's a truth too. So how do you, when you combine that to this watch and pray principle that's talked about here, and again, when you isolate scriptures without putting them together, you get a a distorted view 
sometimes of a truth. You don't see the whole thing. When I mean the whole thing, I'm not talking about, you know, making room for defeat, even though the Bible talks about victory. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that if Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing, then we have to be relying on the presence of God day by day, situation by situation. It's not like a one-time thing where you go to school, you get all the facts. One of the um, one of the books I was re- reading recently, it's a, it was a business book, but the person who wrote the book was talking about strategy, and they were talking about war in this book. And they were saying that in times past, when armies would, would face one another, they used traditional tactics to fight because the traditional tactics worked in the past. But what happens is that because time had passed, our other armies had changed their tactics and weren't fighting the same style that they fought in the past. For example, when the British and the Americans fought in the Revolutionary War, the British used that old system of marching in an order, and it was very rigid because that's how wars were won in the past, right? Highly disciplined, sticking to a a specific plan. But the Americans were taught by the Indians different battle tactics, tactics that the British had never seen before. You know, they had snipers in the trees. They weren't just walking out there, you know, announcing that they were there with with, uh, drums. They had sharpshooters, and they would have... um, I guess you could say it was like kind of like guerrilla warfare is today where you have uh, chunks of troops that are stationed in different places. It's not like a nicely neat – it's not like a chess match where the two sides are, are within a restricted area and each side can see the other side and you just you use the, the better shooters and the better skilled um, individuals win. Now it's, it's it became a different war. Same thing when – the Prussians, who had the mightiest army of, of the day, wound up getting defeated by Napoleon because Napoleon had changed the strat- old strategy to a new strategy, and they were still fighting like it was yesterday's war. When I was thinking about that, I thought about prayer because sometimes when a bad situation comes, we remember the past, and we remember how we prayed, and we pray like we did in the past. But the thing is, when we do that, we're, we're in a rigid type of a, of, a, of a form. We're not free thinking. In other words, we're doing the praying, but we're not watching. Does that make any sense? The word watch, I think, is there because not that it wants you to walk by sight and not by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. So what does watch mean? Watch, I believe, means be aware of the enemy's maneuverings because every battle is different. Every situation is different. And even though... It bears resemblance to some things you may have faced in the in the past. It's not the battle of the past being repeated. Here's an here's a very simple illustration. Um, I forgot who the I think it was Ted Williams who said this. I might be wrong, but it was basically the fact it was an all time great baseball player. It might have been Ted Williams, but basically what he said was every at bat is different, even if you're facing the same pitcher. No two times at bat are identical. They're all different. And so when he went to bat, he forgot his previous time at bat, whether it was a home run 
or a strikeout. Either extreme or anywhere in being. He totally forgot about it because that was then and this is now. So in life, you have to forget your prior at bat no matter if it was a home run or you struck out. And a lot of us are trying to base what's happening now based on what's happening in the past because it gives us a sense of, of control. But here's the thing. The enemy is ne- never approaches the same way twice. I don't believe that. He doesn't. Right? And so we have to watch. We have to be open to what God wants us to do in this time, in this hour, and not just repeat the formula of the past because formulas only work in the kitchen. They don't work in the battles of life. They're just too rigid. See, when something, when something happens, it's nice if, if you have a formula to follow because you don't really have to think, especially if you know the formula by heart. <clears throat> but God doesn't just respond to, respond to the words. He responds to the words that come from the heart and where we are at this place in time. You're a different person today than you were yesterday. That's just the way it is. Things have changed. Times have changed. God never changes, though. He is always there. But what it's going to take for you personally to connect might be a little bit different. The, this, the same place that you had to fight to enter into a year ago, you may walk through the door without any resistance today. Or vice versa. It may be a fight where it used to be easy. But it doesn't matter. It's a different different situation. And so, to a point, I was aware of where this hurricane was as it continues to trek east. Or west, I'm sorry. And so I'm not bound to what the weather service is saying. I'm not bound to models. I'm not bound to any of that. I'm going by the still small voice in my heart that tells me I don't have anything to worry about. I personally, in this time, in this situation, where I am today, do not need to worry. Now the formula is, Bible says don't be concerned, I'm not going to be concerned. See, Can you see the difference? If you take the formula, the Bible says don't worry. Right, But if God is alerting you to do something and you have unrest in your heart, then you have to pray. You have to talk to God until he shows you what to do next. And he's not going to like write a sign out in, in, in the sky. Thoughts are going to come and you're going to either have rest or you're not with the decisions that you're making. And so that's what you go by. Because if you appear before God tonight, and God opens up your heart so the two of you can see what you were really thinking. I believe that's what it's going to be like in the judgment at that time. You can honestly say that this is what I believed to the best of my ability, and that's why I took this action. And that's all God's asking for. He's asking for you to use what he's given to you to the best of your ability, meaning from your heart. So it's not by your own power, it's not by your own holiness that these things work. It's by God, and our focus is on Him, but it has to be a living focus, not, we just remember certain things because we read them in the Bible, and that's what the Bible says to do. Right? It's different than that. God is a a living spirit who is in your present tense situation. So we don't approach it academically. We don't approach it just logically. 
we approach it as it is a new situation, a unique situation, but that connection in our heart, it's hard to put into words. I really wish I could put it a little clearer. Maybe you're catching it. Sometimes I think that's why Jesus said <clears throat> certain things that sound maybe a little ambiguous because he could have spelt everything out exactly like he did to his disciples before he went to the cross, certain things, and they said, now you speak to us clearly, now we understand. Now we know that you are the Son of God. So it took him three and a half years or, or something like that to get to that point, right? Where the, now we know. Well, before that, they would say, well, yeah, we knew, but that now we know. <laughs> so anyway, I hope this is an encouragement to you. I hope that what I've done is I've tried to help you understand that no matter what you're facing, hurricanes or something else, um, other people's opinions are fine, but don't make your opinions based on what somebody else said. Make your choices based on what's in your heart. Make them so that when the time comes and you stand before God and your heart is opened up and your innermost thoughts are revealed, that you'll be able to, in confidence, say, Lord, I did this because this is what I believed was the right thing to do. Right? And it's upon God to, he makes all this work. He makes all this work. It's not us that makes it work. But it's up to us to have our heart open and look to him, to seek him. Right? The Bible says, seek and you'll find. Not seek, and there's a really good chance that you'll find. No, seek and you'll find. He's there to lead us and guide us into all the truth in the big picture and in each little minute um, adventure. <laughs> in each little minute circumstance that we go through that we need guidance, it's there. It's available for us. All we have to do is open up our heart persistently, look to him, and at when all is said and done, we will do the things that we needed to do. We'll walk in his will and good things will have happened. Will bad things, bad circumstances? Absolutely. God pre but God prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. They may be on the outside, but they won't be with us on the inside. At the end of the day, the, the, the story ends, we win. Those who believe, win. Okay, that's all for today. I will talk to you again soon. God bless. Stay safe. Keep on believing. And... Just in your heart, settle on the fact that for your life, the best is yet to come.